Hey, what's up? So 2024, right? Brand new year, new things, new beginnings, new starts. And we kind of say goodbye to everything that just came and went with 2023, right? That's the idea. Well, I also wanted to kind of look at some films that I, you know, I saw here and there throughout the year. Really didn't find a good spot or a good way to talk about them. So, eh, we'll just do a little bit of a roundup, a recap of sorts, you know? I can tell you that all throughout 2023, I watched 190 movies. Or I counted, you know? 179 of those, as of this episode, we'll get those figured out. So that leaves, there's a little bit of a balance in there. And so that's some stuff coming up in uh, the next, you know, few episodes. But looking at 190 films in a year, that's not one a day. I know. It's more than one every other day, which is, hey, that's kind of impressive, I guess. But you also take into account, like, I watched a lot of films over again. You know, I, I rewatched some older films. I rewatched some of the same films. Um, a few that I can think of. Uh, let's see, what did I watch again? I watched The Menu again, which I must have talked about that way early in 2023. But I watched that again uh, right around the holidays and... I don't know, it kind of it kind of hit me a little differently. I still had the same reaction to it and I I liked the same things about it. But I don't know, kind of uh seeing things a little bit differently after the uh I want to say the haze of the pandemic times, you know. And uh let's see what else did I watch? Um John Wick chapter 4, I watched that again later in the year. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I watched that again. Um, what else was there? Uh, Blackberry. You know, I just talked about this in a recent episode, but you know, it started as a feature film, and they reworked it into a, I think it's like a three-part series. is a kind of a limited series deal. It's essentially the same thing. I think there may be a few extended or additional scenes in it, but it's actually not like, oh, twice as long. You're not getting way more content. The story is still pretty much the same. Structurally, it's a little different because they recut it to introduce things at different points based on the episode structure. So that was kind of an interesting exercise to see how that worked out. Um, but otherwise, you know, I really didn't go back to watch a lot of 2023 films again what it was mostly was watching films from previous years or maybe like john wick chapter four i went back and watched all the first three films before that just to have context you know to really kind of uh see if i'm really you know grasping and following where things are going one film that i did watch again here recently that it came out right in the middle like right in the height of the COVID pandemic outbreak, you know, the world went into lockdown and all that was Greenland. And that was from 2020, I think it was 2020 or 2019, whatever it was. But when I saw it, it was right when it hit 
uh, I think it was HBO Max at the time. So I sat down to watch that again, and I remember enjoying it. I remember liking it, thinking, well, this is kind of a different take on the big disaster comet coming to kill Earth kind of thing. And uh, looking back now, a few years later, you know, one thing was, I don't know if that film ever came out in theaters. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it must have. But... You know, the idea that a film like that might have played a little better on a big screen because it's got some moments where it really uses that canvas. I mean, a lot of it is about the characters and the, the family that's involved in their very specific situation, but it does have moments where it kind of opens up, right? And so I thought, oh man, that that could actually be kind of an interesting experience, you know? But also to look back on it after the the whole pandemic thing has, I, I would say, mostly passed at this point. And to see, I mean, I'm guessing it's coincidence, but the film portrays a lot of the 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 kind of fear and panic and confusion of society basically breaking down because of the end of the world, right? And in the moment, I didn't really recognize it as any kind of parallel, you know? I mean, the closest real uh, sense that that I think most people probably got was, oh, you know, there's a run on toilet paper. Like everybody's just walking around with dirty asses and that's what this pandemic has turned into. So, you know, when you see the way it portrays this whole thing that the world's basically losing its mind... Looking back now with the context of, oh, yeah, it did happen. And it really changed a lot of how we do things in the world. And so to see like a movie portray some of that, like how confusing it can be and how that end of the world panic is like a real thing. And when governments and just social structures kind of break down, like, I, you know, I, th- I think we saw that in some ways in real life. And so to see it in a film that really didn't have an idea that that could be possible, but imagined it and to find parallels, I thought that was pretty interesting, you know? So, I, you know, if you haven't seen that film, it might be worth checking it out just to kind of see, you know, kind of an alternate version of a disaster, a worldwide disaster but to see where some of the common threads are, you know, it's not far from home. I mean, I think probably the closest is still contagion, right? Like that is the one that kind of nails it. But anyway, Greenland was an interesting thing to go back and watch after a few years now. Otherwise it's like a lot of the other films I watched this year that I haven't talked about in previous episodes so far. Uh, I either was discouraged by, or I just felt like they were fine, but I I wonder if they're going to stand the test of time, you know? And like the, the first one here, I mean, the earliest in the year was Fast 10, Fast X. Is it, is it Fast 10 or Fast X? Fast 10 sounds like something, like your seatbelt, right? Which, uh, okay, maybe, hey, it's a pun. All right, I get it. It's corny, 
but I, maybe that's the idea. But those films have gotten just so ridiculous. I don't even know. I really don't even care or, or want to try and keep up with what's happening in those anymore. You know, I've talked to a couple of people about that, like the franchise, right? It's such a big thing. And yet I feel like it should have stopped after, uh, what was the seventh? I think it was the seventh one, right? Where, uh, where Paul Walker, that was his last film. Like that really should have been it. Like they should have found a way to wrap that, even if it meant really acknowledging, I mean, come on. We are now three going on four films later. And they're still trying to dance around the idea like one of the cast members is no longer around. And they're still trying to keep the character alive. And I'm worried here, like with the last film coming, whenever it comes, like they're going to do something that's going to be kind of sideways to try and keep that character alive or even somehow bring him back. I, you know, come on. Like, why didn't we just acknowledge that and keep the thing moving? Because Fast Five was already the second win for this whole thing. Like, that first film, everything since that was just steadily declining until Fast Five really reinvented it. It's like, oh, these aren't just like movies about street racing and stuff. This is like a heist movie now. This is a series of heists. Cool. I got it. I like that. Fast Seven, I think, was... I don't think it was the best. I still think Fast Five is the best for me personally. I just Something about the vibe of it, the, the way it's all put together, it works. Fast Seven, I'm like, okay, you know what? That was like a just straight up natural stopping point. Like we should have just ended it there, moved on, go do something else with your lives. But now we're so far off the deep end. Like I, I don't even know. There's like characters that we probably should have known about since the first movie that are now in the plot that, may or may not make a difference. I, I, I don't know. Um, there's characters that we haven't seen for a few movies that are back. Characters that we thought were dead, were back. And characters that we thought were bad guys, they're still good guys, maybe. You know, it's like so much. And, and it's to a point now where I don't care anymore. Part of me was like just watching the films just to watch the car action. Like that's what these films started as. And now it's like, uh, this might as well be science fiction. This might as well be fantasy. Hey, you got dragons? Put some dragons in this. Because it's just nuts. So, you know, that was a big disappointment. And even, I kind of knew it was going to be a disappointment. I mean, Fast 9, the one before that, was already kind of, it was already sending signals like, this this shit is going to be trash. So, that was kind of a, I don't know, let's call that a wash. Like, I didn't really feel like that turned out to be much, and I didn't really expect it to be in the first place. You know, some other films that I saw um, throughout the year, you know, I got to see a film, um, thanks to A24, for an advanced screening of uh, Problemista, which uh, I, I really didn't have any uh, idea what it was about. I just went to go see it. It was it was something I was invited to, thanks to Houston Latino Film Festival and those guys. And the, the only thing I really knew was it was from writer and director Julio Torres, who was also involved with or created the uh, Los Espookies. And 
you know, there's something about his, I want to say his, but it, that style of storytelling and the characters, they're just odd and quirky and eccentric enough that it's hard to really get a handle on them. Like if I like this or if I'm annoyed by this, this film, I mean, it, it does, it tries to do a couple of things, I guess, because we've got Tilda Swinton, who's the other lead in the film. And, you know, Julio Torres, he plays uh, Alejandro. He's a young man. He, he grew up and he has an imagination and he wants to make toys. He wants to like do these really cool things. He's got great ideas and he goes to New York to make a life for himself. He ends up working for this weird artist uh, personality who is just a total mess, just a complete shit show and eccentric and nauseating really. But these two personalities, like it's really hard to me to find, it's like, I don't know how you could hang a story on this. Like one is just a bull in a China shop and the other one is a complete pushover. And so like, who, who am I supposed to really want to see succeed here? Cause they're both annoying. And, you know, I guess it tries to tackle some things about struggling with maybe anxiety or even things like the, the, the fears or the concerns about aging or, finding yourself like uh, isolated or alone. You know, there, there are different elements throughout, like little thematic things that pop up, but it's so overwhelming with the oddity of it all. And I, I just, uh, it's just this is a movie about a lot of park benches up in here, you know? I don't think it's one I'll be seeing anytime again soon. I appreciate the effort, and it's got some really imaginative filmmaking and and some visuals in it but uh i i don't know just didn't interest me so um let's see what else did i see oh uh operation fortune ruse de guerre which you know is guy Ritchie, jason statham it's action it's spy genre it's also got comedy in it, and it's pretty R-rated, you know? So I thought, okay, well, I, I I think I know what kind of movie this could be. And maybe with good reason, maybe not. But I thought, oh, okay, well, wait a minute. Guy Ritchie and Matthew Vaughn kind of came up at the same time. Or, you know, they were kind of in each other's circle. From what I remember, I think like with Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, you know, some of the earlier films... I feel like they kind of moved in the same circles. They kind of they kind of had the same ideas in some ways. And clearly they've gone on to do very different kinds of films and you know tackle different types of stories and all that. This was one that I just in the back of my head as I was watching it, I was like, wait, this feels like Guy Ritchie trying to do what, you know, a quote unquote Matthew Vaughn type of film. It feels like it's got some of those like Kingsman uh, kind of vibes to it, where it's 
it's uh, intense and kind of dizzying action in some moments. But it's also got like this really kind of hard, kind of biting, dark comedy to it. And, you know, the problem is like, I don't feel like it really worked. Yeah, I, and I can't really explain why. Like, I just think this should have been a good place for Jason Statham, who does these fast movies and he does these stupid Meg movies and, you know, where he's just the guy, the main guy. But I, I like to see him have these roles where he can do more. He can be funny. He can be weird. He can be charismatic. And... I feel like some of the early Guy Ritchie stuff, he he was able to do some of that. And he's done it in a few other films. You know, I still like The Bank Job. I still think he's great in that film. And it's a great film, and it's not really an action film. And he's not just a total tough guy badass. So I thought, okay, that's kind of what I, I want to see more of that. Let's get that. And it's got some of it. I and mean, it's got the the wit, and it's got the snappy dialogue to it. But I think there's just enough where, like, Josh Hartnett is doing something else in this movie. I feel like he's, like, the guy that he wants to be in this movie, even though he is in this movie. And Aubrey Plaza, I think, is actually in, a, in an entirely different movie. And, and, and something about the, the nothing, it doesn't seem to gel. Like, the chemistry with these characters, ah, I, I don't know. I can't really say what it is. It doesn't work for me, but I, I just wished it would have been a little more, I don't know, a little more cohesive with how this cast specifically. The story, I mean, the story kind of gets a little convoluted also. And, I, you know, it, maybe that could have been simplified a little bit. I feel like it probably needed that because it's got that element of spy genre tropes and... You know, and it's also trying to poke fun and take shots at Hollywood and celebrity and pop culture and that kind of stuff. So it's trying to do a lot. And then the cast is kind of in different places. So I just think it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really come together, you know? I mean, looking back on it now, I mean, I saw this film... Um maybe around Thanksgiving. So it's been a little over a month since I saw it. And I I don't really remember a lot of it. I mean, I have the notes that I wrote down here, but I don't, there's nothing really, yeah, nothing really struck me as like, that was impressive or that was memorable or anything like that. So I, you know, I just feel like, man, that was a real, that was a missed opportunity. Um, I tell you what's really, I don't even know if it was a missed opportunity. I just, I feel like it was just a mistake. You know what I'm saying? Is Five Nights at Freddy's. I mean, I saw that and I, when did that, that hit like Peacock or whatever? Uh, what was that? Like around, I guess probably around Halloween or something. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm barely familiar with the idea of the games, like I know there's a, a game or a series of games with this, uh, this is the premise, right? These, what, these uh, old uh, animatronic 
things that live in this pizza parlor place or whatever, like a Chuck E. Cheese knockoff kind of thing. I don't know. They come to life. They're haunted. They got monsters. I, I don't even know what it is. All I know is there's some kind of games with this. So, you know, for me, like the real thing, like the real like Chuck E. Cheese and uh, what, you know, those kinds of places, the Peter Piper's pizza and the um, what's the other one? There was another place that was kind of big back in the day. Like that's from my childhood. So I have like actual real memories of it. And some of those memories are like, this shit is weird. Like these mechanical animals up here on this stage playing a song. They clearly are not actually playing. It's supposed to be fun and enjoyable and entertaining, but it's actually just weird. I have the real memories of that. So to make a game that like heightens it and makes it actually like scary, scary and like terrifying well, okay, I mean, maybe that works for a game. Now we get to this film, and I thought, well, all right, I mean, l- at least bring me in on the story. Let me get up to date with who these people are, or what what exactly is going on with this. And I, I just, I don't know. I didn't find anything interesting in that film. And I'm sure for a lot of people, oh, that's sacrilege. This is the best movie of the year. I understand. Okay. But I'm telling you, It's not a good film. Okay. Not the worst movie I saw this year. I'll give it that much. Okay. It's not the worst, but it's kind of far down there. (laughs) And so, and and look, I mean, it's not to say like all these movies are are bad or or discouraging or whatever, but I, it just reminded me, it was like, there's some of these that I, I didn't really know how to talk about them, what to say. But I'll give you a couple of films that I did see that gave me a lot to think about and a lot that I could probably talk about now. I just couldn't really find a way to to group them in with other stuff, you know, for a different episode. So the other film really that, I mean, I talked about Oppenheimer back when that came out. The other film, of course, the second biggest movie, or maybe, the, I don't know, they're like neck and neck for biggest movie of the year, I guess, is Barbie, right? So I saw that and, you know, I had heard enough about it from other people before seeing it that, oh, you got to see this movie. It's not, it's not what you think it is. And even before that, even before the film came out, like just seeing who was going to be in it, seeing who the writer and director was, I already knew like, okay, this is not going to be a cash grab. You know, this is not just Mattel saying, hey, make a movie with whatever and make the characters do whatever and the story could be whatever and people are just going to come and we're going to make money. They could have done that. But here, I mean, I, I could tell like, okay, this is going to be something special. And, you know, before even seeing the film and really before even talking to anybody about it, I already got the sense like, oh, you know what this is? I know what this is. I immediately thought of the Lego movie, which on its face, you're like, okay, they made a movie about Legos, talking Legos. So what? But if you've seen that movie, now I don't know about the sequel. I don't know about the any of the others that came after that. But the first one, yes, it is about characters that are Legos and their, their world and how they 
operate in their world and the fantasticness of it, you know? Is that the word? Fantastical nature, whatever. Just the the bold colors, the energy, the fun of it all. How those characters kind of live in that bubble, like oblivious to anything that resembles reality, right? Those characters are, through whatever machinations they're introduced to or they're connected to actual reality, like the real world you and I live in, right? That's what happens in the Lego movie. And the thing I liked about it, the way it was done there, was that it was done in a way to tell a story that is about creativity and expression and emotion and the importance of relationships, whether it's parent and child or uh, you know partners or friends or whatever, you know, like that was a big focus of that film. And it's a very universal thing, but it was such a strange and wild ride to get to that, that it was a surprise and it was exciting. It was fun to go on that ride. And I kind of figured, well, you know, that's probably going to be very similar to what we see in Barbie because it, it works and it's smart. Why not? Now, of course, you've got different ideas and different themes that you can tackle with something like Barbie, whether it's about the way society looks at women or the way women are either pressured or put pressure on themselves or the way the double standards work in the world and whether it's fair or whether there's reasons for, you know, all the social issues that come out of that, right? Great. I want to see that. Let's do it. And so the film, I mean, it's, it's a giant swing. It's, I mean, it's one of the biggest swings of the year. And it works. And that's good. It's a good film. It's a smart, it's a funny story. The script, the writing, the performances, the production. I mean, everything is like top tier. Like it makes sense that this turned into a just a, a blockbuster. And so to me, like the only thing is, I know this already. I've gone through this, and I, I say gone through it, but I've gone through the, the, the exercise of learning this from life, from, you know, relationships, from, you know, whether it's my mother, my sister, my wife, my daughter, you know, the women in my life, I mean, I don't have their experience, of course, but I've learned from them how things can be. And so it, it, you know, if you're around it enough, if you pay attention, if you care, it becomes part of you. You, you take it on. It, it's part of your sensibility, right? Now, of course, if you're a caveman and you give no shits, well, you know what? You're probably someone that needs to watch this movie, pay attention, sit and think about it and talk about it with other people to really dig into, hey, what's your problem? So I feel like it's an important movie and it's saying some very important and relevant things. I just felt like, well, I, but I kind of know this already. 
And so it didn't take away from the enjoyment. I still enjoyed watching the film. I still thought it was fun. I still got the moments and the, the beats, the emotional lines that it was trying to draw. I got it all. But at the end of the day, I was like, well, I, I don't know if I would go back to that necessarily. Just me personally. It's like, it's cool and everything. It's fun. But it's not one that I'm necessarily going to really watch a lot. I mean, even the Lego movie. Right. Like I just talked about that and I enjoyed that one too. And I connected probably a little more with that. Cause I think the themes in that were more universal. I could apply to men, women, boys, girls, all ages, all races, all backgrounds, whatever. This one's a little more dialed into a very specific audience or, um, someone with a very specific experience in life, put it that way. Okay. But even the Lego movie, I've watched it maybe once or twice since that came out. And that's been what, like almost uh, maybe 10 years now. So um, this one, I don't know. I'll necessarily sit down to watch it again anytime soon. I recognize the quality of it and I think it's deserving. So I, it's, it's certainly not like, I'm not trying to like lump it in with all these other films that I just didn't think worked. It's just one that I, it's such a, it's such a, a, an anomaly. Like there's no way that I think anybody would have predicted one, that a film like this would get made. And then two, that it would become such a success and that it would really connect with people. You know, you can have a film that's a blockbuster, but it doesn't ultimately say a lot. It's a fun ride. And maybe people want to take the ride over and over, but does it really say a lot? You know, does it really connect with anything deeper? This one like does all of the above. So I, I feel like that's a win, you know? Now, whether that means it can happen again, I mean, with a different story, a different uh, character and setting and all that, I don't know. It may be something that is so very specific to Barbie and what that, like the idea of it, what that means to people and what they take away from it and what this story was able to enhance about that. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I just think so many stars aligned to make this work. And I don't know if it could necessarily work again, like in a different way. And speaking of a film that I really wished all the stars would have aligned for the creator it's a film that, man, I had such high hopes for. Because I remember still being uh, the guy that in 2010, watching Monsters and thinking, whoa, this Gareth Edwards cat, I mean, he's doing something. Like, this is, this is something different. Like, this guy, he's got a vision. He's got talent. He's got a real eye for what makes interesting, not just interesting visuals, but how to kind of build a story out of not a lot. I mean, if you've never seen Monsters, it's a it's a film about giant monsters, right? And it, but it's it's not about them. It's about people trying to live, survive, really, with those monsters as the backdrop. So you don't see them a lot but they're an element. 
And of course, the idea of focusing on the people instead of the monsters means, hey, you keep the budget low because you don't got to really show the monsters. But it's not like, well, we slack on the on the characters. I mean, it's still a very small, intimate, kind of a personal story, I feel like. And so it works on all those different levels. And it was such a, um, like, a, I guess like an indie hit, or at least in my mind it was, that I was like, I want to see, I'm going to follow this guy wherever he goes, whatever he makes next. Turns out he ended up doing the Godzilla reboot, right? 2014. Okay, so now he went from barely showing monsters to showing a lot of monsters and one of the most famous monsters. Gotcha. And after that, he went on to do uh, Rogue One, right? And, you know, maybe that film had some trouble or, you know, some of his vision was changed by the final cut or whatever. But I still think there's a lot of the same DNA in there. I think you can see it whether it's, you know, the very kind of small personal story against this giant, like, galactic backdrop of Star Wars. You've got this story of these characters who are just trying to make this mission work, you know? And maybe they want to do this or maybe they don't, you know? They're kind of reluctant. They're kind of hesitant. They're not even maybe sure why, right? Like, all those things are built into that. And here, I mean, with the creator, I just think the, the world that's shown, that's built and shown on screen is so rich, visually, texturally. I mean, everything in here is like fleshed out. And it's all against this backdrop of the war with humans versus AI or these synthetic beings people and i mean it's something that it's like a staple of science fiction at this point i mean we've seen it so many times over and over in different ways right i mean you could go back i mean you go all the way back to the beginning of time like uh, begin beginning of time go back to the beginning of time go back to the beginning of films something like maybe metropolis but a uh, ai really kind of i think to me takes a different it takes a different place in storytelling when we get to something like 2001 where it becomes the AI isn't just a machine. It isn't a robot necessarily, but it's a presence. And it's a thing that when it takes a life of its own and it, it, it becomes a thing where we just don't even understand how it happens. You know, it becomes, it goes beyond technology or hardware or programming. It, it takes on like a mystical quality. I, and to me, that's what I've always kind of associated with 2001. It's like this artificial intelligence, it's cute. It's a toy and whatever, and it works for us and it does things that we need it to. But at some point it's going to go, it's going to just take shit to the next level. And we're not going to be able to keep up. We're going to get left behind. And so, and then, of course, since then, you know, decades since then, you've got stuff like Blade Runner, where it's really manifested as like people, right? These, uh, the replicants, they look like people, they act like people, but they have limitations, right? You got stuff like the Terminator franchise, which the first two films, I mean, you know, if we could just stop there, that'd be fine. 
but the idea like it's going to happen it's it's an inevitability and we can try to stop it we can try to change it and it seems like we do but it's going to happen anyway you know there's there's a little bit of like a dark undertone to those films really to all of them but the first two really it it gives you both sides where you could see like man there's no stopping this but we stopped it for now but then hey it's going to happen eventually and you have even you know the the Kubrick Spielberg AI film that you know I've talked about in a previous episode and Along with Blade Runner, those films really kind of get more to the heart of what I think the concern with over AI is. That's a bad sentence, I know. But the the idea that AI or synthetic beings or whatever you want to call them, replicants, whatever, they won't just surpass us in terms of uh, like strength or stamina or you know the the it's not just a physical superiority they're going to take but they might even surpass us in in i don't want to say intelligence but like in capacity you know i don't know if a, if a machine an artificial creature being whatever can have emotions but their capacity for it will overtake ours. And it's not even because ours is so limited, I think because humans, eventually our capacity for um, compassion, empathy or whatever, is going to turn into like just a little tiny little dot because, hey man, you wanted Facebook. (laughs) The end result is nobody's going to give a shit about anything. And you let that play out long enough, on a long enough timeline, it's where we're going to get, I'm telling you. And I feel like now, like in the last year, two years, with AI really becoming not just a tool, but like a, a thing that we have to be actually concerned about, I think you're starting to see it. And it's kind of innocuous right now. Oh, we got AI that can write a paragraph or write a whole book for you. Ah, okay, cool. Well, what happens when that book gets in the wrong hands? Or what happens when the wrong kind of book gets written and a few generations go by believing that that is either accurate or true or real even. It's the long-term effects of AI and what it can do that I think are going to be the real concern. And so a movie like this, the creator, I know there's a lot of rambling, sorry, The creator, I felt like, okay, it took a whole different take because it's like, I'm not going to show you the war against the machines, like trying to stop them, trying to prevent it. It already happened. Like this film takes place in a world after that has already happened. And there's still the ongoing conflict of like, okay, well, the machines are going to exist. We really don't want them around as humans, but we're going to at least let them be over there somewhere, wherever that is, right? They call it New Asia, it's trying to show us a way that there can be a coexistence, but it's not a peaceful coexistence. And I mean, Hey, look, you, you see any modern current day parallels right now going on? Yeah. I could think of a few and they're not going well, you know? And I think this film, at least uh, it, it works with that in mind of like, this isn't going to be an easy thing. There's no easy solution here. 
So those are like all the big things. That's all the premise. That's the backdrop of this film. The characters here, I feel like I'm not entirely sure what their motive. Uh, like, I feel like they're going in a couple different directions in the course of this film. Some of the choices they make, some of the reasons for the choices. I, it's still fuzzy to me. Now, I, maybe that's because I wasn't paying attention, right? I also would say the other problem with this film is that it jumps around a lot. Like we jump between, if I remember right, three different time periods. And like we see before the quote unquote war, this is like a nuclear strike on Los Angeles, kills millions of people, really sets the whole thing in motion. We see the time before that, we see the time after that, and then we see the time like present day where the story takes place. And all that jumping around, like it's not always clear when we are. And by that, it, it even makes it hard to understand where we are, like physically, like the locations. Because there are moments in the film where there's so much going on and it plays like, in some ways it plays very dreamlike and others it plays like a nightmare. These action sequences, these... Uh, raids and these uh, battles that take place and some of the escapes that the characters have to make. The problem with so much cutting around is that I, it even makes it hard to see like, how did this character get from here to way over there in one cut? Or that seems like, Oh, over there, like on this aircraft spaceship thing, whatever. And they're over here, but then they got to get way over there. And then like two cuts later, they're there. I feel like time gets condensed and it gets loose and it gets, it gets real fuzzy. And even the logic, like how some of this could even be, uh, let's say physically possible or whatever, it, it gets kind of messy. Part of it, I feel like maybe it lends itself to, this is more like a dreamlike uh, portrayal of this kind of thing the kind of like lo-fi design and aesthetic throughout, it makes me feel like, well, I'm, I, I'm here. Like, this is a real place. These are real people. And yet, I, I just feel like when you start jumping around in time or in distance even, uh, I, I, I start to disconnect because I'm like, well, but this feels real, but that doesn't work that way. And it starts to take me out of it. You know, and the other thing is like there are some moments in the film where I feel like the the what are they called? They're not called robots. They're not called synthetics. They're called uh uh simulants, I think. Well, so okay, they're supposed to be they're artificial intelligence, they're synthetic beings. And so you would think, well, but they would have a different way of operating than people do. And maybe a little more regimented, a little more structured a little more mechanical, let's say. And yet some of these characters, they, they make the same mistakes that people make. Like there's a character that's smoking. It's like, well, why? First of all, like it doesn't physically make sense that a, a synthetic creature would smoke. Like what benefit would you get? But then also like, wouldn't that be a thing that a human 
would already know. I mean, at this point, 2023, right? Not even the year that this is supposed to take place. Wouldn't we know, hey, cigarettes, bad for you. Don't do that. There's a there's a moment where a character falls asleep, like on watch or like on duty, you know? And so something gets like, something slips by or whatever. And it's like, well, but, but do they have to do that? Do they have to sleep? And why would they make that mistake? You know? It's just little things like that where I, I feel like, Maybe I'm not understanding this. I'm like, I'm not, I'm fuzzy on the rules even of this whole thing. And, uh, you know, that's nitpicking. I know it's nitpicking, but it's like this, everything else feels really, it just feels so fully realized as you see it and as things are playing out. And yet little things like that are what take it away. They like just take points off of, man, you built up so much good, uh, faith here on what you're showing me, but all these other little things I'm seeing, like they don't add up, you know? And it sucks. I mean, cause this film is, I, I, I love the canvas of it. I just don't know if I really understand or follow the, the, the subject of it. You know, does that make sense? I'm like, as someone who does, artwork and, and creates stuff like this and, and loves this visual style. Like this is like a concept artist, key artist, wet dream, this whole film. There's so much imaginative and beautiful stuff to see and sequences that happen. And yet the story is just really kind of shaky, like the way it's all strung together. So, you know, I'll, this was probably one that I will give another watch and give it a second chance or, or really dig deeper into it. But I feel like it's not quite, it's not doing it, you know? Because the other thing is, look, it could have also been a, a great way to show, like this film, I think, was made for like $80 million or something. It's like a fraction of what a film that otherwise would look like this would cost to make, right? Like Marvel movies, forget it. A couple hundred million dollars, if that. This was like a, a indie film compared to that. And so you would think, oh man, this would have been a great opportunity. And I think that was part of the idea is like, we can show how you can make a big, impressive science fiction epic on a budget and make it good and have real quality in it. And I think it like does, it checks all the boxes, but somehow it just, the math doesn't work out, you know? It's, it's just not as strong as it should be, I think. So I don't know. I mean, it's hard, man. I really want to enjoy films. And most of the films I've been watching, they've been more or less what I expect. Some of them I expect them to not be great, and they're not. Some of them I really expect them to be great, and they are. But you get some like these where I'm like, I don't either. I don't know what to expect, or I expected a lot, and maybe it didn't work out. You know. So I don't know. That's the count for now. Um, the worst film I saw, by the way, of 2023. I hate to do it. You know what? I'm not going to do it. I, if you listen to that, go back and listen to some of the episodes. You'll figure it out pretty quick, I think. I'm not going to, nah, I'm not going to pile on. 
the best film, at least according to my own notes, my own score here, I guess, is Oppenheimer. And yet, you know, like I said, even about Barbie, it's like, I don't know if it's a film I'm necessarily going to rush back to see again. Like, I just don't feel like it's one of those movies, you know? And I love Christopher Nolan's movies. I mean, some of his films, Inception, I've probably watched upwards of 50 times at this point. You know, the Dark Knight trilogy, I've watched those over the years, several times over. Um, The Prestige, I really like. Interstellar, I've watched a few times. That one's a little hard for me, not because it's, I don't like it, it's just, it hits some emotional notes that I think are really tender and kind of surprising, I think, for a Christopher Nolan film, because I feel like his stuff is a little more, a little more mechanical, a little more structured and because of the plots that are involved, right? And Interstellar, to me, it has a kind of a, a, a bigger heart to it than I think people give it credit for. But you got to really, you got to look past some of the technical side of it, you know? But Oppenheimer, I I don't know. I don't know if I'll be going to watch that every year or every few years, you know? It's great that it was a success and that it showed like, oh, you can make a biopic for adults and a historical biopic, like something that happened, what, 80 years ago, and it would be relevant and it would be compelling and and entertaining. And I mean, that's all good stuff, but it's like, uh, okay, but what do we got coming up 2024? Because I think, look, for most people, I'm sure it was like, we're counting Marvel out these days. Like you guys are done. So where does that leave us? at the beginning of 2024 and I'm not really sure we'll kick off this new year and see what's going on and we'll go watch something new Mm -hmm.